about a psalm of praise. This is Psalm 40. It can be found on the inside of your bulletin. We always print the scripture on the inside of the bulletin, but if you ever want to bring your Bible, absolutely. Uh, you know, we encourage that, and yet at the same time, you may not have a Bible or you don't want to bring it, and we have it right here. This is Psalm 40. Many of you are familiar with the song. It was actually sung by the, the band U2 uh, back in the day. They, they wrote a song on Psalm 40. So I won't sing it to you, but I will uh, read it to you. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I desire to do your will, O my God, your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who desire my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! Aha! But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. The word of the Lord. Well, it's the week of love, isn't it? Valentine's Day is fast approaching. Guys, if you did not realize this, wake up, because it is approaching fast. And one must be very careful what one gives that significant other on Valentine's Day. For instance, if you give them a kitchen utensil, it could turn on you very badly. So instead, roses, chocolate, uh, savings bonds, all of those things are probably going to be okay. We actually ran a race yesterday, Ellen and I, and our two boys right here, the Virginia is for Lovers uh, 6K. And there was a host of uh, uh, people wearing different I'm His, I'm Hers t-shirts and all sorts of things. It was a very loving experience. But you know, sometimes love is complicated. I remember as a high school student uh, being asked to the Sadie Hawkins dance. Remember the Sadie Hawkins dance? So it was this gal, you know, I liked her, she liked me, and so she took the step because it's the girl that asked the guy to the dance. Well, we were still young, we couldn't drive yet, so we, I was double dating with another guy, another girl, so she, the mom comes to pick us up, okay? And we lived in a circular driveway, it was kind of dark, uh, so she pulls in, and you know we're all wearing our finery, and I go ahead and get in the car. Well, 
I'm not sure what this woman was thinking, but there was a car in front of her, the circular driveway, so she decided to try to go around uh, this car on the circular driveway. Well, A, there was no blacktop. B, it had rained profusely the day before. And so this woman, before you know it, ends up stranded in the mire in the middle of my front yard. She's just there, and she's spinning her wheels, and she's getting deeper and deeper into the yard. Well, what are we going to do? So my buddy and I, we get out, and we have to try to push this car out. Now, I'm wearing something akin to this, okay? And we get in the back of this car, which was a Buick Regal, a rear-wheel drive vehicle. <laughs> and we start rocking this thing, trying to push it out, back and forth, as she's gunning the engine. And it wasn't very long before we were coated from head to toe with mud, trying to push out this thing. Needless to say, our dates were quite embarrassed by the experience as well as the mom. We did manage to make it out if we went to the date, but uh, we were sort of the laughing stock with our as best as we tried to clean out and clean off ourselves. You know, you can make a pit just about anywhere, can't you? Pits are very common, whether it's in the front of your uh, grass as a teenager, or other types of pits, you know, those potholes that you drive over. Actually, I had my alignment done yesterday for 100 bucks, and I'm kind of ticked off about that, you know? But uh, I'm serious, by the way. Potholes are in the road, and we're driving along, and they hit us. Some potholes are very small, but some are very deep, aren't they? Many potholes, not just uh, potholes on the road, but physical potholes. You know, life is good, you're going, and you're having a good time, and all of a sudden, you fall and you break your arm. And you're older, and life starts to get much more complicated. You've fallen into a pothole. Maybe you're getting older, and you start to experience some of these things like dementia that's in your family that seems to be coming along and you've experienced this pothole as you're afraid of descending into darkness. Maybe your potholes aren't physical, they're just financial. You know, you made a poor business decision or you didn't time the market right and all of a sudden the job is gone, the savings are dried up, you don't see where an opportunity can be and you find yourself at the bottom of the pit. Maybe they're simply emotional potholes where your heart can't seem to find any joy. It's always down. It's always sad. And we invariably experience spiritual problems, don't we? Where we ask the question, God, where are you? Where are you, God, as we're surrounded by darkness? And it's in these times which we all experience how we respond reveals what we know about God. Because we can either struggle and panic, or we can pray and wait. Because as hard as this sounds, the truth of the matter is God is closer in the pit than He is anywhere else. It's in the deepest pit that we learn to sing the highest praise of God. And so the choice we face is how will we respond when we're thrown into the pit? Well, this psalmist here was thrown into the pit, and we can learn a lot about him by how he responded. We're going to learn three things. Number one, what do you do when you're in the pit? When you fall in, how are you supposed to respond? We're going to look at the psalmist and figure that out. Number two, what do you do when you come out of the pit? How are you supposed to respond to your world? Are you supposed to live in a different way? And then finally, number three, what do you do when you feel yourself going back in again? Because it's those who are in the deepest pit that are able to sing the highest praises of God. It's those who are furthest away from God that seem to know Him. Well, let's look at this question. What do we do when we're in the pit? 
Notice verse 2 here. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He drew me out from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog. This psalmist is in this sort of pit. It's a pit. We are familiar with it. It's down. It's dark. It's lonely. It's a pit of destruction. In Hebrew, this word destruction literally means roaring waters. Think of a place where you're kind of down and the water's rushing in and it's filling up and you're, it's not just quiet, it's this maelstrom that's going on all around you, this pit of destruction. And so in this pit, we see that there's a miry bog at the bottom of it. There's no footing. You know, it's like those dreams we have, you know, when the water's coming in and you're trying to get out, but your feet can't find any purchase. It's a miry bog. Indeed, when you try to stand and the more you struggle, the more you sink. The question we have to ask is, why is this person here in the first place? How did he get in the pit? He gives us two answers. Number one, he's the reason he's in the pit. Verse 12, for evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. See, the psalmist realized that the reason he's there is because of his sin. His manifold iniquities, those little lies, those big lies, those betrayals, those things against God and against man have encircled him. The sins have come back to haunt him. And they have dragged him into this pit. They're more than the hairs of his head and they've overtaken him. And as a result, his heart is failing and he cannot see the way out. See, he's thrown himself into the pit. But he's also been thrown into the pit by others. Look at 4014. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! Aha! See, these enemies of his, as he's struggling on the lip of the pit, are delighting in pushing him down. They're excited about his downfall. They're not leaning down and giving a hand. They're pushing down with both hands. And so he's been pushed in the pit. And he's lonely. And he's frightened. He's lost his bearings and he's sunk in the mud. How does the psalmist respond when he's in the pit? Is he bitter? Is he angry? Is he frustrated? No, it seems like there's something else going on. Because he says here that he cries to the Lord. In my sorrow, I cried it to the Lord. And we see that this cry is a cry, not of, of, of anger, but a, a cry of pain. A cry of anguish and a cry for help. Verse 13, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. He waits, but he also waits patiently. See, that's how I know how he's crying out, because he's waiting for a response from God. He's waiting. You know, my kids are a little bit like this when they're hurt or they need something. You know what they start doing? Even if they're on the other side of the house, dad, 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 it's monotone. They never take dad, dad, it just keeps on going. Why? Because they're crying out. They know sooner or later, I'm going to come. Whether out of frustration or I don't know what. But they know that if they wait patiently and say, Dad, long enough, Dad's coming along. See, what's happening with this 
person in the pit is he's, he's stopping looking around and he's starting to look up. He sees the darkness, but he believes there is another way. I'd like to introduce you to someone I call my dark friend. Some of you may know him very well. Some of you have never heard of him. My dark friend started visiting me when I was about 25 years old. I don't know how he had a key to my house. He simply found a way to get in, and he made himself a very unwelcome visitor. And from time to time, my dark friend would visit me, and I'd like him to go away, but he seemed to want to stay as long as he wanted. My dark friend is called depression. I didn't really know what depression was until later on in my life when I visited with some doctors and said, your dark friend has a name. They tell me that it's part of my DNA. It's a hiccup. It's not something I can control. It's been there all of my life and for generations. My dark friend is here. He's here to stay. And when my dark friend comes to visit, he throws me into the pit. And the darkness surrounds me. And I can struggle as hard as I want, but he is much stronger than me. But you see, I call him my dark friend because he's both. He certainly is dark, but he's a friend. See, earlier I used to fight tooth and nail against him. And struggled desperately to get out of his grasp, but what I've discovered is I can't. And much like the psalmist, the cry that I must give is not a cry of war, but a cry of help. Lord, be near to me. Deliver me. Make haste to help me. I have to cry out, and I have to patiently wait. For salvation for my dark friend must come from without. And you see, the dark friend... In the darkness is my friend because God always responds when I cry out in the darkness. See, all of us have a pit, don't we? Who's your dark friend? Who comes along in the darkness and sets up shop in your house? Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's what's going on with you right now with your financial picture. You're not sure how it happened you made a decision here or there at the wrong time, and all of a sudden the bills are piling up. The jobs are not to be found, and you find yourself in a financial pit, alone with your fears, wondering how am I going to take care of myself and my family and not lose my house. The dark friend overtakes you. So what do you do? You can struggle against him. You can deny that he's there, or you can cry out. Now notice I'm not saying you sit on the corner on the sidelines and you don't do something and be diligent, but there's a difference between diligence and despair. See, the psalmist is certainly being diligent, but he's despairing and he's taking that despair and he's crying out to the Lord. Verse 17, as for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. So we must cry out persistently. God, 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 God. And we must cry out honestly. Lord, I'm in this pit, and I'm scared, and I'm frightened, and I need you. Come. We must not only cry out, but we must wait patiently and deliver deliberately and look for deliverance from the Lord. Because it's when we're in the deepest pit furthest away from God 
is when we can know Him the most intimately. God will most surely meet us in the pit, even more when we're out of it. Well, the psalmist comes out of the pit, doesn't he, as we invariably do from time to time. We can only take so much of the pit. So the question is, what does the psalmist do when he's been brought out of the pit? Look at verse 2. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. See, God hears the cries of this psalmist. And what does he do? He hears even down in the cistern, and he inclines. He reaches out. In the Hebrew, that literally means he stretches. He stretches down to the pit from heaven to pull us up. See, God is not afraid of the pit. Listen to Psalm 139 where the person says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God hears the cry of the desperate. He inclines his hand, and he lifts them out. What does he do? He lifts them up, and he sets their feet upon a rock. He makes their footsteps firm. See, the reason he can lift out is because he is above. He can stretch down, and he has the strength to deliver us from the pit. He lifts us up, and he sets us down. Where? Our feet upon a rock. And he makes our footsteps firm. See, this man was in an uncertain position, but now he's been delivered to a certain position. He was in the miry fog, but now he's on the certain rock. He was low, and now he's high. That word rock literally means a fortress. He set me in a fortress. And so he hears, he inclines, he lifts, he sets, and he puts. He puts a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see and hear and put their trust in the Lord. See, the cry of this psalmist in the pit has gone from a cry of pain to a cry of praise. It's God who has put a new song in this person's heart. And who is this song to? It's a song of praise to God. It's a song to the one who has delivered him. Why is it a new song? I think it's not just because it's gone from a cry of pain, but rather it has a new tone to it. Because he has experienced the deliverance of the Lord. Not just in theory, but in his life. See, there's a whole different ballgame when you're singing out something that you know, isn't there? Verse 11, as for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn aside to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. See, he's speaking from experience because he's known the darkness. So now he can experience the light. And so he sings. He sings to God. But he also sings to others. Verse 9, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. 
I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness to the great congregation. The praise that this man has to God is overflowing. It would be a sin to keep it in his heart. He says to God, I haven't held it back. He's spoken it to who? The congregation. See, this is you and me proclaiming, here's what the Lord has done. And indeed, the congregation can mean even more than just the people. It can mean everybody. A song of praise as you enter into your work. As you're in your neighborhood. A song of praise is maybe more than just your voice. It's your very life. Your thankfulness to the Lord God who has rescued you. The cry of pain from the pit has become the cry of praise from the pinnacle. And truth be told, they're both the same. And one of the things I, I love doing, my wife, her family lives in uh, the outskirts of Roanoke in Boonesville, Virginia. Anyone been to Boonesville, Virginia before? It's a sprawling metropolis, uh, if you will. They actually live on a mountain in Boonesville. Beautiful mountain, it's out in the woods. And we go out there. One of the things I love about going out there is when night falls, all of the stars come out. Now, we can't often see the stars as well in the city, can we? There's a lot of lights that are counterfeit lights, if you will. They obscure our view. But out there, you all know what I'm talking about because you've been out in the country. It seems like there's a million of them twinkling and blinking, and the whole sky is lit up. See, it's in the deepest darkness that we can see the greatest light. It's in the deepest pit that we can understand the pinnacle. It's only because of the miry pit that we can truly experience the solid rock. The cry of pain is the antecedent to the cry of praise. And so you and I, to truly see the light, must experience the darkness. As strange as it sounds to go down, to go up we must go down. But we don't want to go down. We don't want to experience the darkness. In fact, we build our life in such a way that we don't have to trust God for anything. But you see, the darkness will come. The pit will come and nothing is above God. And sometimes God allows what He hates to accomplish what He loves. And so, we must embrace the darkness if we want to see the stars. We must open our eyes, not to the surroundings around us, but to the God who is above us. And we must cry for mercy and wait patiently. And you'll discover when you do that, invariably, He will lift you up. The problem, my friends, is not your circumstances. The problem is not out there. The problem is right in here. Do I believe that God can rescue me and meet me in my darkest time? Open your eyes. And when God delivers you, open your mouth. Cry out in praise to God. God, you give me a new song, a song of praise to you. I understand your deliverance, not from a pew, but because you've done it in my life. Rehearse the gospel. Remember what he's done for you all throughout your days. For if you are a Christian, has he not rescued you from the pit of sin? Has he not lifted you onto the pinnacle of salvation? Cry out your praise to God and cry out your praise to man. You know, we need each other, don't we? 
We need each other when we're in the pit and we're struggling. And we wonder, is God there? Is God able to meet me in my difficulty? And we have to be like God in the sense of reaching down and encouraging. Let me tell you what He has done for me. And we must tell the world. Everybody's in the pit if they don't know Christ. It's the pit of sin. It's the pit of unforgiveness. It's the pit of fear for what will happen when my life is over. We must be willing to reach out to those around us. Because God has delivered us. So that we might cry as praises to the world. It is those who are deepest in the pit who are able to sing the highest praises. And those who are furthest away from God were able to know the deepest. This brings me to my last point. What happens? You know, when you've been in the pit and you come out of the pit, you can appreciate the pit, but you never want to go back there again. You know, I love my dark friend when I'm not with him. But I don't want to go visit him again, but invariably he seems to want to visit me. What do we do when we feel ourselves going back in the pit? And we're tempted to say, God, I thought you delivered me, and yet here I am again. The truth of the matter, my friends, is this song is not just about you. It's not about me. It's about someone who has gone before us, who has experienced the very same things. Jesus talked about this song. He talked about the pit. And he understands the pit oh so well. See, how can we go into the pit and in the darkness with any sort of confidence? The reason we can is because it's already there. If you notice in verse 6, it says, Sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an ear, an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. And then I said, and this is Christ, behold, I have come. The scroll of the book is written of me. I delight to do your will, O God, your law is within my heart. See, how does God stretch out His arm into the pit to lift us up? The strong and mighty arm of God is Jesus Christ. See, down in that pit, Christ is gone. God said, who will go for me? And Christ said, here I am, send me. And so Jesus went into the pit of death. He went into the pit because of our sin. He went into the heart of the earth for three days. See, the reason we can have confidence and praise, even in the pit, is because He's right there, closer to us than a friend. I may have a dark friend, but I have a glowing Savior who's even closer. God does not only reach down to pick me up, He pushes me up from below. Christ is willing to go down to the depths of hell so that He can raise us to the heights of heaven. You see, we need life, my friends, even in the darkness. We need light to keep going. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. In the beginning was God. All things were made through him, and without Jesus, nothing was been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. I don't know where you are right now. You may be deeply ensconced in the pit, and the miry bog is all the way up to your hips. Or you may be out of the pit right now, and you're on cloud nine, and you're singing God's praises. 
You know, life is kind of like that, isn't it? Up and down, up and down. And sometimes we cry out for help, and sometimes we cry out for praise. But the beauty is, Christ is closer to us than any friend could be. He's with us in the darkness. He's with us in the light. And so if you're in the darkness, cry out and wait patiently. In his due time, he will reveal himself to you. And he will lift you out of the pit. And when he does, and you've been out of the pit, cry out in praise. To God for what he's done, to each other in encouragement, and to the world who is trapped in a pit looking for a way out. Salvation is found in nowhere else because there is only one name given to man by which we must be saved. Do not fear the darkness, for it is those who are deepest in the pit who are able to sing the highest praises. And it's those who feel farthest away from God who are able to know the best. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that you're a God who's not afraid to get rid Who's not afraid of the darkness. Indeed, who's not afraid to go down to the depths of hell itself to rescue us, your people. Lord, you not only reach down and push up. And I know, Lord, that there are many among us right now who feel that they're in the pit and that you're nowhere near. Reveal yourself to them in the darkness. Show them who you are. Show them the stars. And lift their hearts for whatever concern it is. Not only the circumstances, because often you want us right where we are. But lift our hearts up, Lord. That even in the pit or out of the pit, we would praise you. We would know your mercy and we would proclaim it to one another and to the world around us. This is our prayer, Lord. We pray this in.